Exploring the intersection of medicine, sports, and pop culture. This is the Doctors Are People Too podcast. Here's your host, Dr. Josh Belfer. Welcome back to the podcast. I heard from a lot of you last week that you enjoyed my discussion with Dr. Tiffany Moon and that you could not wait for the second part of it. So I won't keep you waiting much longer. The one thing I will note is that in today's episode, you'll hear Dr. Moon talk about her entrepreneurial pursuits, including a candle line and her own wine brand. Be sure to check out our Instagram page for information about a 20% off discount on products from her website. Now, without further ado, here's the second part of my chat with Dr. Tiffany Moon. The unique part about that show and you joining that show is, you know, there's certainly a number of reality shows that follow physicians that are very medical centric. Botched is one of them that comes to mind. There was Lennox Hill on Netflix a few years ago following, you know, physicians at Lennox Hill Hospital here in New York, where I am. Are those shows something that you would consider doing if, if a station came to you and said, you did the Real Housewives thing. Now we want to do a show about your medical career and show that to the world. What would you say? I would love to do that because um, on Housewives, I was not allowed to disclose my place of employment, nor were we allowed to talk about anything I did. So basically, all I was allowed to say on Real Housewives is I'm a board certified anesthesiologist who works like that's all I was allowed to say um, legally. Um, So I would love to be on a show where I could bring my audience into the OR in some ways, because the OR is like this black hole of what the heck happens when your loved one gets wheeled away from surgery, from the pre-op holding area. And, you know, all those doctors and nurses take them back, like what happens back there? And, you know, we don't have to show the actual surgeries or whatever, but anesthesia needs some better PR because, we're not getting the good PR. Like people think, you know, we're just knocking people out and doing crossword puzzles and chilling all day. And I'm like, I worked hard yesterday. I did a few cases yesterday by myself. We're so short staffed right now that some rooms don't have CRNAs and residents. So I basically worked like a private practice person yesterday, um, but for academic pay. Um, and and it, it was a, a normal routine case turned out to be not so routine and normal. And I kind of want to bring the audience members into the OR so they can see that and appreciate it. Not to mention that, I mean, I'm highly biased, but I think anesthesia is fascinating. I mean, we basically like put people to sleep and control all of their physiology with drugs. And then at the end of the surgery, like magic presto, wake them up and take them to the recovery room. Like that's really cool. I think when it comes to reality shows, surgeons get a lot of the credit. I, I think my people in the emergency room also get a little bit of the shine, but I agree. I think anesthesia is perfectly suited for it. It is a little bit of a black box. And you know, even to other doctors like me, I, I understand some of the stuff you do. And I spend some time in, in the ORs with anesthesia during my fellowship, but it is, you know, something goes wrong and that's really where you're making your academic pay your big bucks big bucks but uh you know you're really making your money in that respect that would be cool to see that show you know i'd like to ask you that show we better call oren and ask him to make it happen (laughs) yeah we may have to that'd be great you know i told oren his tagline is i'm not just a neurosurgeon i also play one on tv I like it. And and he has, when I asked him about this, he didn't think he was interesting enough to, to be on a show or to star on a show. But no, I think you're probably interesting enough to, to get you on a show like that. So we may have to make that happen. 
Uh, okay. I'm curious, you know, one of the things that you mentioned in terms of thinking about even joining the show is maybe the taboo around it. And I think there's been a taboo about, you know, physicians sharing other parts of their lives with the world. And, and I think that taboo is going to the wayside now. One of the ways that it is, is more and more physicians are on social media, which you certainly have embraced and become a TikTok star in and of yourself. You know, millions <laughs> of followers, millions of views. How did you decide to get into that? And certainly some of the TikTok, and I'm an, I do a little bit of TikToking is for the fun of it. But, you know, as a physician, I imagine you sort of thought about, you know, what message you could send to the world when you created your account. Yeah, I joined TikTok seriously as a quarantine pastime to relieve my anxiety and boredom. My then 15-year-old stepdaughter, who's now 18, um, was the one who signed me up for TikTok. And we would do the dances and the challenges and the things like that. And then one of my videos went viral. And one day she's like, Tiffany, did you say your video got like 100,000 views? And I was like, really? Like it was we weren't even trying. You know, I just thought that, you know, when quarantine Quarantine was over, like I would never go on it again. And and little did I know that it would grow to be my largest platform and is now a significant source of income for me. Like, you know, mind blown, you know, back in spring of 2020, that is not what I was thinking when I signed up for TikTok. Um, but but to, to answer your question, um, there are many more uh, physicians on social media now who are kind of sharing their lives in an authentic way. Some of them have a specific platform where they only talk about medicine or, you know, COVID or whatever. I just do my whole life. I make funny mom videos. I make fashion videos. I make some doctor videos. But it's just like my life, whatever I'm doing. I, I'm like, oh, let's just make a TikTok about it. I think the, some of the problem with physicians being on social media is that sometimes we are held to a higher or different standard than like other professionals. Like it's okay um, if your CPA is at a pool party doing a, a beer pong thing. I don't know. Um, but if your doctor is doing it, then it's like, whoa, you know, but, but you have to realize like you want your doctors to be normal people too. On their weekends off when they're not on call, you want them to be enjoying their life in safe and responsible ways, just like every other human being. You cannot expect your physician to be like professional and stern and doctor face all the time because I mean, if that's who they are, that's who they are, but that's not who I am. And being funny and silly and, and doing the things that I love and, and talking about fashion and the new bag I just bought, that's just part of who I am. And that does not make me any less of a physician, right? But people want to make it be that. Yeah, I mean, I hope we're moving a little bit more away from that. And and I agree. I think there's some physicians that really do stick to the educational things on Instagram, on TikTok. And that's great. Also, I think there's a lot of, you know, students that see that and it influences them or, or helps to influence them get into medicine. But I agree. I think in selfishly, that's why we call the, the, the podcast doctors or people too, because doctors do have a life outside of medicine and social media, I think, has given people, you know, a, a modality to express that which I think is great. Now, you mentioned being funny and certainly looking through your TikToks. You are certainly funny. I heard that stand-up comedy is something that, that maybe is on the horizon for you, that you've dipped your toes in a little bit. Is that your next career move? 
I have no idea. I never thought I would be a, a real housewife of Dallas. I never thought that I would be a TikTok star. So let me just go ahead and say that I have no idea what's in store for me. But um, I will say that I'm open to new experiences and I like challenging myself with things that, you know, I never thought I could do before, like doing a stand-up set. Um, I have a friend who's a good comedian and, you know, we just hang out and talk and have dinner and she's like, Tiff, you're really funny. And I was like, I am. She's like, no, you are. Like you have this this certain brand of humor. And I think that a lot of people would really gravitate towards it. My friend owns a comedy club. I could probably get you on to do like a 10 or 15 minute set if you want. And I was like, oh. You know, and, and the first part, the, my first reaction was like, no freaking way am I getting on a stage with a microphone by myself to tell jokes for 10 minutes. That sounds like my idea of hell. And then I told myself, wait, this is the year that I told myself I was going to try new experiences, you know, talk to people who probably I wouldn't talk to before, do things that I normally wouldn't do before. And so I told her, I was like, you know what? Sign me up. I'll do it. <laughs> and I did. And it went okay. I think, you know, Netflix has not yet called me to book my 45 minute Netflix special. Um, but you know, we're working on it. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. I'm sure that I'm sure the call's coming in maybe next week. It's funny because you go through medical school, you go through residency, you know, you go through, through your training. I throw you into a room of a crashing patient and, and I'm sure you don't, there's not one bead of sweat that comes off of your head, but put physicians on a stand-up stage and have them start doing comedy. And that's, I think, where we really get pretty nervous. Yes. I think there was a lot of sweat and a few tears um, that came around the time right before the stand-up set because I would practice it over and over and over again. And, and there was one minute where I was like, you know what? I can't do this. I called her. I called my friend freaking out. And I was like, I can't do this. I'm not a stand-up comedian. Like, what the hell was I thinking? And she was like, you're doing it because we already sent out the flyers and people have bought tickets. So like, you're going. And I was like, oh, <laughs> But at the same time, like now that I've done it, that was such an opportunity for personal growth. I'm sure. And I think that's what we're all looking for, continuing taking those steps towards personal growth. As we start to wind down, I want to talk about some of your entrepreneurial activities. Three Moons Wine is you know, one of your entrepreneur activities. And I read that you started it or at least had the idea during your residency. In my residency, I you know, would certainly drink the occasional glass of wine after a hard day at work, but I don't think I, I decided to start a wine company during residency. Can you tell us the story of that? Yeah, I trained at UCSF, which is like an hour and a half away from Napa. And my husband and I, then boyfriend, um, were long distance. And he uh, would come to uh, San Francisco and we would drive up to Napa on my golden weekends that I had off. And we would just spend the weekend, you know, kind of driving around, going to different wineries. And like I said, I'm, I'm curious, I'm a nerd. And so I'm not just there to drink the wine, but I'm like, what varietal is this? Why did you decide to do 3% Petit Verdot instead of 2% Petit Verdot in your, you know, mix? And how old are these grapes? And what clone is it? And why is this year different than last year? So I just started learning about winemaking because I like learning. 
as serendipity would have it, we ran into a winemaker who had the resources for excess juice from other vineyards. So we don't own our own vineyard. We take juice from other vineyards because that, you know, it's a lot of money to own a vineyard. Um, and so we made friends with him and he was like, why don't you guys try making a barrel? So a barrel is only like 25 cases. So in 2009, we made our very first vintage of Three Moons wine and it, it turned out pretty good. So from then on, we just made it, made it, made it never intended to sell it. It's private label. We drink it. We give it away to family and friends. And then because of Real Housewives and it being on the show and like featured and, you know, we were drinking it and the label was shown, it was like an infomercial for my wine. So all of a sudden I'm getting all these DMs and um, emails. It's like, where can we buy Three Moons wine? Where can we buy Three Moons wine? And I was like, well, we don't even have enough to sell. Um, we only made one barrel. And so we called our winemaker, amped up production, got got a license to sell and distribute alcohol, which by the way, is a pain in the butt. And um, I, I ordered five barrels because I wanted to be conservative. I thought that would last a year and it sold out in five months. So we're going back to Napa um, soon to make more wine. That's an awesome story. We'll, uh, you know, we'll have to pick <laughs> some cases up in the next round. You know, one of your other businesses is, uh, you know, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing this right, Aromathesia Candle. I know it's, yes. uh, you know, Related to anesthesia, I had a hard time putting those two words together, but I love the the you know, propofol, succinylcholine, the names of these candles that you named after the same medications that you're using as an anesthesiologist in the OR. What was the idea behind that adventure? Oh, gosh, Josh, now you're really going to get my nerd to show. So um, it's aromasthesia, which is half of aromatherapy and half of anesthesia. Um, and so I combine those words together because I love candles. I love aromatherapy. I love um, the sort of um, olfactory memory that when you smell something, it like evokes a certain uh, emotion or memory um, in your brain. Because as you know, our um, olfactory receptors are, are very close to the amygdala and the hippocampus. And it's just such an um, important sense that we have. And so I uh, made the candles as a hobby, fun, you know, COVID project when all our elective cases got canceled. And then I sent COVID care packages to all my friends across the country with a little note that said, you know, I know you're working so hard. Thank you for being a frontline healthcare worker. Here's a candle for you to enjoy when you get home. Um, hope you like it. And one of my girlfriends was like, did you make this? And I was like, well, yeah, it's not that hard to make a candle. Um, and she said, you should sell these online. They're, they're so strong. Um, your packaging is adorable. Um, they're named after anesthesia drugs and, um, like good housewives, all of the candles have a tagline. So propofol is for humans who need a nap. Succinylcholine is for humans who need to relax. <laughs> They're all, you know, um, very popular is my Xanax candle, Alprazolam, um, for humans who are anxious. So the nerd in me really comes out in the candles because I was just, and people are like, did you come up with all that stuff yourself? And I'm like, yes, because having a goal and a task at hand is better for me than not. And then just sitting around the house and being anxious. I don't know what to do with myself. Um, so I created those, put them online, hired, you know, like a marketing manager to sort of help me with all the legal backend stuff, getting it trademarked, all that. Um, and, and it absolutely took off. I was astounded at how many people in the world love candles. And the best part of it is that I give a portion of the proceeds um, back to a community charity here um, in Dallas called The Family Place. So it's like 
full circle. Yeah, that's great. And we'll certainly link to your website where you could get them in our show notes. You know, we spoke about a little earlier physicians getting into social media. And I think similarly, more and more physicians have gotten into entrepreneurship, just like you have. Looking back at your experience creating your companies, what is it about physicians that you think makes them great business people? I'm not sure that physicians are great business people or great investors, actually. That's my personal opinion. But um, I, I think physicians obviously are very smart, but you have to know what you're smart in and what you're not smart in. And I'm not smart in taxes and legal planning and trademarking and all those things. So I hire good people to help me with those things. And I stick to the things that I know that I'm good at because there's no way, well, maybe if you're like Oren, you can be good at like every single thing in the world. And I, I think not just for physicians, but just for anyone listening to your podcast, like the key to life is knowing what you are good at and sticking to that and then outsourcing the rest. Some people may not like that advice or agree with it, but but people always ask me all the time, you know, you're a doctor, you're a mom, you're an entrepreneur, um, you're on social media. Like, how do you have time to do all these things? And I simply say, I do the things that I am good at that require me and then I or outsource the rest. You know, it's funny. My last question was going to be, it typically is for our guests, what is your piece of advice for our listeners? So you've already covered that one. So let me end with this question. What's next for Dr. Tiffany Moon? What's on the horizon? I wish I had a crystal ball or someone else did and they could tell me because I have my fingers in many holes, as you could say. Um, Aromesthesia is doing well. Um, Three Moons Wine is doing well. I continue to practice clinical medicine and mentor and teach residents. Um, I have written a children's book that I am trying to get published. And I would love to one day write a book about my life um, and all the lessons that I've learned, hopefully to inspire um, others. I would love to start my own charity foundation and help all the people in my community that are underserved. Um, so many things to do. <laughs> You're certainly emblematic of the types of guests that we we thought about when we started putting together this podcast, Doctors Are People Too. You're a physician, you're a business person, you had a stint in reality television, which is always exciting. So this has been great to, to get to know you a little bit better and hear your thoughts on, on all of those activities and adventures that you've been on. So Dr. Moon, thanks for joining us on the Doctors Are People 2 podcast. Thank you so much, Josh. And thank you for having this platform. The name of your podcast is absolutely perfect because doctors are people too. We have other things that we're interested in, but that does not make us any less of a physician. And we all love um, what we do and practice. So thank you for having this platform for us to speak. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Doctors Are People 2 podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts, and make sure to share it with your friends and family. Follow us on our Instagram page at Doctors Are People 2 podcast. Do you have a question or a comment on the show? Maybe a guest recommendation? Direct message us on our Instagram page. Until next time, this has been the Doctors Are People 2 podcast. Take care. <laughs>